When we think about the posture of prayer, you think about what does a praying person look like? And perhaps one of the first pictures that would come to mind would be the, the praying hands. You know, um, it's there, there's famous sculptures and famous paintings, and, and we're, th- this is the, the posture that means to us where someone's praying. It, the, it's interesting, though, that we never find any reference in Scripture at all to holding our hands together for prayer. Scripture does. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying I think it's interesting that our primary picture of it doesn't appear there. The picture does, or the, the Bible does, have a variety of different postures in prayer, however. It tells us that, uh, that we should pray standing. Scripture says that we should pray raising our hands. It says that we should pray sitting. It says that we should pray kneeling. There are even times that uh, in Scripture we find people praying laid out on the, on the ground on their face. I don't think the posture makes the prayer. I think you can pray any which way you need to pray. But I do think that our posture has a way of enhancing what we're trying to say to God. For example, if... Um, If I pray with open hands, then my posture is supporting my prayer in at least two ways. It is saying to God, I have nothing to hide. You know, that's that's why the cops tell the bad guys, raise your hands. Then I know you're not hiding nothing. If I pray with my hands up, then I'm saying to God, I have nothing to hide. I am being real and open and honest. But my hands also being open say to him, I'm ready to receive whatever it is you want to bring my way. Posture says something. When we kneel in prayer, then we are recognizing his royalty. That's what you do when you're in the presence of a king or a queen, you kneel. When we kneel before him, we are saying, you are the king. You are Lord. I recognize who you are and I recognize that I'm not you, that I'm not God. Posture says something. And so I want us to think this morning as we continue our series at the feet of Jesus. I want us to think this morning what it might mean to pray at his feet. We'll look at praying at his feet. And we actually have two uh, primary texts that we're going to kind of look at and compare. We're going to begin in Luke chapter 8, and then we're going to jump over to Mark chapter 7. And I want to show you two stories, two very different people who have a whole lot in common. All right? Let's start in Luke chapter 8. I'm going to begin at verse 40. Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, 
about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Now, if you want to find out the rest of the story and what happened with Jairus' daughter, I'd encourage you to go ahead and continue to read through that chapter a little bit later. Uh, There's an interlude where Jesus is interrupted by a lady who needs his help, and he helps her, and then he gets back to Jairus and his concerns. But for our purposes this morning, we're just going to focus on those first few verses Because you see that the crowd had welcomed him. They were all over the place. He was being jostled back and forth, which we find out in the next paragraph. And in the midst of this kind of chaotic experience of the crowd, there came a man whose name was Jairus. He was the ruler of the synagogue. You say, well, how did the synagogue have rulers? Uh, What that phrase means is he's kind of like an elder. It's his job to make sure that the synagogue is set up correctly. And it's his job to make sure that the the greeters are assigned at the front door and that they all have their little green thing around their necks, you know. And it's his job to make sure that the pews are all cleaned up and straightened and ready to go. He's the ruler means that he kind of helps things run smoothly. He would have been a very well-known person, probably not a priest, more like a layperson who helps to organize everything. So he would have been a very well-known individual, very highly respected. He would have been seen as someone who was close to God. And so he comes to Jesus, this very important person, and he falls at Jesus' feet, imploring him to come to his house. Imagine what that must have looked like for this very important person, most likely wearing very important looking clothes. And he's in the dirt at the feet of Jesus. What would, what would it take to, to drive a man to go from kind of respect and reverence and, 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 and popularity, if you will, to putting his face down in the dirt at someone's feet. He's desperate. His only daughter is dying. And when it comes to our kids, there's nothing we won't do, right? He falls at the feet of Jesus, and it says, that's such a powerful word, he implored him. He begs, he continues to beg, he keeps on asking, he's imploring Jesus to come to his house because his daughter needed to be healed. Now look with me, if you will, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verse 25. I want to show you another person, very different from Jairus, and yet they have so much in common. In Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse 25. Again, Jesus is surrounded by crowds. He's, there are people everywhere. It, and and he, um, he even tried to, to enter into a house because he didn't want anybody to know where he was, but he couldn't be hidden because the crowds were everywhere. They knew exactly where he was and wouldn't leave him alone. And in verse 25, it says, But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down 
at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. In the first case, it said there was a man whose name was Jairus. In this story, it says, here's a woman. And we never hear her name. There are a number of reasons for that. One, because people who were reading the gospel and hearing the story, they would know who Jairus was. Nobody knows who this woman is. She's a nobody. Unfortunately, another reason that her name is not given is because Jairus was a man. And she's, after all, just a woman. Now, understand, that's a cultural thing. That's not a Crowder thing. (laughs) I'm explaining how they viewed life. But not only was she a woman who was unknown, she wasn't even Jewish. She was Gentile, Syrophoenician. She She wasn't even from around here. A Gentile. Who does she think she is to get to talk to Jesus? And yet there she is with her face in the dirt at his feet, begging. Two very different people. One we would say, he's too good to be there. The other one we might say, she's not good enough to be there. And yet they both know where they must go when in desperate need. They both found themselves at the feet of the only one who could help. When you're that desperate for the health of your child, you go to the great physician. And here she is on her face at his feet. She didn't just walk up and and ask for help. She wasn't even like the other woman who reached out and touched his robe. No, she is so desperate. She's on her face at his feet. And it says that she begged him to help her daughter. Different parents, different walks of life, such different perspectives And yet they had so much in common, both so desperately asking for help for a daughter. They sought out Jesus and fell at his feet. I want us to use their example just for a moment to consider our own prayer lives. Has prayer become just a habit? Where because I'm a good Christian, I know I'm supposed to pray. And so every morning while I'm shaving, I say, thanks God for today. Give me a good day. Let's go. Or has prayer become a checklist? God bless mom. God bless dad. God bless Susie. Thanks. Or do we ever find ourselves at the feet of Jesus? imploring, begging, being real and honest. Praying at his feet 
implies and includes certain things. Let me show you what it might mean to pray at the feet of Jesus. First, when we pray at the feet of Jesus, that includes faith. Both the Syrophoenician woman and Jairus knew that they needed to find Jesus. In both cases, it says they sought him out. They looked for him. They found him. Are you seeking him? Remember, Scripture says if you seek him, you'll find him. I think too often what we do is say, I found Jesus when I was 12, so I got it. But in reality, if we're going to experience the relationship the way that God intends it, it is a continual seeking. We always keep seeking. Lord, I want, you, I want to find you more and more and more and more. That's why Jesus said, if you keep on knocking, I'll answer. If you keep on seeking, you'll find. These two found him. They looked for him. They knew where they needed to go because they knew who was the only one that could help, and they fell at his feet to say, you're it. We put our whole faith in you. We are trusting that you are the only one who can take care of us. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 reminds us that without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. They sought Him out. They found Him. They fell at His feet. And when they fell at His feet, it was a statement of faith. If they didn't think Jesus could help, they wouldn't be on their face in the dirt. It was a statement of faith. When you and I take prayer so seriously that we're no longer going through a checklist or completing a habit, but we are actually finding ourselves at the feet of Jesus, when we take it that seriously, we are saying to him, I have put my faith in you. I need you. I trust you. You're it. Praying at the feet of Jesus not only involves faith, but it also involves humility. Remember that there was a crowd, I said that three or four times now, the crowd is crazy in both cases. There are people everywhere watching. And these two people, willing to humble themselves even in front of a crowd. You know, most of us when we're in front of a crowd, we wanna look our best and sound our best. We want to impress as many as we can. These two have reached the point where their desperation for God, and specifically their desperation for Jesus Christ, is much more important to them than their pride. When we pray at the feet of Jesus, for you and, and, and I, that, that would be metaphorical. It'll, it'll be a, an experiential thing. But it's the same thing. When we pray at the feet of Jesus, we're doing the same thing they did that day. We are humbling ourselves. That's hard for us Texans. 
Because Texans, we got this. I can do this. I got it. I can handle it. And you know that usually works for about 48 hours. I got it, man. World, keep throwing whatever you're going to throw at me because I got this. I'm tough. And about 48 hours later, you're so exhausted, you're wore out, you can't anymore. What if instead of going to God and saying, take it easy, I got it. What if we immediately fall at, our, at his feet and say, God, I can't. You are what I'm not. I need you. It's a statement of humility. And remember that scripture says that when we humble ourselves, he will lift us up. Scripture also says that when we lift up ourselves, he will humble us. Second Chronicles is that very familiar verse. We use it often. Look at it again. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves. We want to jump to the end. I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll hear their, heal their land. Yes, if we pray, God will work. Be real careful. Because when we have the attitude that if I pray, God works, then that puts me in charge of God. And that's a dangerous place for us to think we're in. God is not at our beck and call. He does, not, he does not have to do everything we ask him to do, nor does he have to do whatever he chooses to do in our timetable. There are a bunch of ifs before we get to he will heal the land. And the first if, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves. The implication is if you don't do the first if, he probably won't take time to listen for the rest of it. If my people humble myself, humble themselves, and then if they really pray, and if they really seek my face, and if they repent, then I will hear and do great things. It begins when we humble ourselves before him. God, you are what I am not, and I need you. John 14 and 13 says, whatever you ask in my name, Jesus is talking to his disciples. By the way, this is in the upper room experience. The last night that he's going to be with them, he's telling them the most important stuff they need to know before he goes. And he says to them, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. And we, again, we like to stop there. We like to say, okay, I can pray anything. And then at the end, if I say in Jesus name, amen, that means I get it. I get whatever I want because I said his name. No, in his name means that you are praying on his behalf. You are praying for those things that Jesus wants to happen. I pray in Jesus name means that I am speaking on his behalf for his purposes. And he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Why? So that you can have a more comfortable life? Why does he answer prayer? Look, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
Understand that's why God answers prayer. That He might be glorified, that we can see Him at work. The point is His glory, not your request. So come humbly. Beloved, I love you enough to tell you it's not about you. Even when we pray at His feet, He will hear, He will answer in order that He might receive glory. Praying at His feet includes faith, it includes humility, it includes reverence. When we come to His feet, it is an act of worship. It is the ultimate bowing before Him. Being at His feet is, is an act of, of praise. In Mark, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is beginning to teach His disciples about prayer and how things work in that way. And he says, he says to them, pray in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. The prayer that Jesus gave us as an example starts with reverence, with worship. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Holy means separate. It means different. You're saying there is none like you. You are the only one. You're special. When we come and pray at his feet, it is an act of reverence, of worship. And when we pray at his feet, it is an act of dependence. Praying at His feet includes faith and humility and reverence and dependence. When I lay down on the ground, my face is in the dirt, and I am at the feet of Jesus, I am saying to Him, I know I can't, but I know you can. And so I come to you depending on you. Beloved, don't insult God with flippant, casual prayer. Prayer is a conversation. Come to His feet. Show Him your faith, your humility. Show Him reverence and show Him that you know you need Him, dependence on Him. Remember our theme verse. I keep coming back to it over and over because it's so important. Listen again. I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. Look, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Dependence. When we get that part, that apart from him we can't do anything, when we get that, then we will come to his feet in prayer and say, I need you. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. I need thee every hour.